This is the Inclusion Think Tank podcast brought to you by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education, NJCIE, where we talk about inclusive education, why it works, and how to make it happen. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Christopher Conklin. Chris is the superintendent of the Caldwell West Caldwell Public School District in New Jersey. This is part one of our conversation. Join me as I welcome Chris along with Fred from NJCIE as we discuss Chris's 30 years as an educator and we find out his thoughts on the topic of what characteristics make a good leader. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast brought to you by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education. I'm your host, Arthur Aston, and today I'm joined by my guest, Christopher Conklin. And uh, thank you for joining us today. And we're also joined by Fred. So Fred, thank you for uh, joining us for this conversation as well. well. It's great to see everybody and meet you for the first time. I've known Fred for several years now so it's uh, great to see him again yes so uh to start off our uh, podcast episodes i usually begin with a version of the same uh question so um can you first uh share with us a little bit about yourself tell us who you are what you do and something you like to do for fun in your free time um sure so i am uh in education for over 30 plus years. I know it's hard to look at my uh, gray hair. I'm prematurely gray, so I'm really only 35 years old. I started in my profession at five. Um, But seriously, I've been uh, in uh, the teaching profession for over 30 years. I started as a teacher in uh, Jersey City. I went on to get my first master's degree as a uh, special education in special education as a learning disability teacher consultant. And I did that in Jersey City for a few years. And then I moved from there to Bridgewater. Um, While I was finishing up my time in Jersey City, I finished my second master's in administration. One of my principals uh, thought I would be a a really good administrator. I wish I could uh, track her down now and tell her, please don't have that conversation with me. If I had a, a, um, a way to go back in time, I would do that and say, don't have that conversation with me. Um, I think I, I think I uh, would have preferred to stay on the child study team and finish my career there, but I did not. I finished my master's degree in administration and um, went from Bridgewater uh, after a short time at the Department of Education as a director of special services out in uh, Halden uh, Public Schools, Manchester Regional Schools. And, and then uh, after about three or four years, I left there and went out to Hackettstown where I was the director of special services, and then also uh, the interim principal at one of the elementary schools. Uh, after about six years there, where um, I did a, a lot of work in inclusion and um, really uh, found my footing in terms of what I thought was appropriate to start transitioning away from pullout resource. So that was really when I um, moved that philosophy, that thought into action. Um, was to eliminate resource room um, as a place and really created special education um, as a service that went to where the students were. Um, We weren't a full inclusion district because I still believe that there are 
students that need intensive, um, specific um, interventions that really can't be effectively delivered in, in a mainstream setting. So those students still need uh, a setting where they can get those services. But for the majority of students that we service, um, those students can be supported and educated in a general education classroom. I actually left uh, Hackettstown and became the assistant superintendent in Edison Public Schools, which is the fifth largest school district in New Jersey. And I brought my philosophy there. Um, we slowly transitioned away from these resource room segregated settings for the students that could be supported in the gen ed classroom. And within four years, 99% um, of the resource rooms K to 12 were um, eliminated. Um, and I say this in terms of a special education director hat without one lawsuit. So that means in the fifth largest school district in New Jersey, we moved away from these segregated settings into a more inclusive setting for 90% of the students that are being serviced and not one parent decided to uh, sue us. Now, that doesn't happen by accident. There's a lot of support and services and um, professional development that is part of that process. Um, in Edison, as I've done in my previous school district, all the special education teachers, K to five, were uh, trained in a specialized program that supports, that is basically um, Orton-Gillingham based. So that means that it's multi-century approach to reading. So that was really important. So that way I could confidently say that every single special education teacher, K to five, is trained in this uh, program. And then we started recognizing the need and I've always recognized the need, but really specifically on the gen ed side to make sure that the kindergarten, first and second grade teachers were trained in that same exact intervention strategy. So that way we reduced the number of students that are actually coming into special education because we were discovering and I continue to discover that there's an overrepresentation of students that could be serviced with just interventions. They really don't need to be in special education. So we kind of approach it from both sides, from the gen ed side and the special ed side. Um, I, I, for some reason, and I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring this out, decided that I should uh, get my doctorate. Um, if, again, if I could go back in time and talk to myself, I would say self, don't do that. Um, but I, I, I did it anyway. And I actually finished my, my, my doctorate in 2019. Um, and I did my dissertation specifically about New Jersey and the dyslexia law. And teachers real, really understand, do they really understand what dyslexia is? And does the professional development we provide actually help them intervene and remediate for students um, with, with dyslexia? Um, I'll give you the, the, the synopsis of a 200 and 300 actually page uh, document. Uh, we don't, and uh, the law is, is, is great, um, but it actually doesn't do um, the thing that I think it was designed to do. Um, so they, again, you know, I think that goes back to IDEA. It's supposed to fully fund and support special education nationwide, and we're funded about 10%. Um, so again, I don't think it's, the law is great. It's a great idea, um, but the, the actual action um, is not always what it needs to be in order to support the students that it's designed to support. So we as a school district, wherever I am, 
Now I'm the superintendent in Caldwell. We make sure that we do provide those supports. We do provide that professional development. I do recognize the need to provide that specialized training um, in Orton-Gillingham in multi-century approaches to reading, and then layer that with things through maybe Fontes and Pinnell um, or, or other trainings like Wilson that may, so if the uh, initial interventions aren't successful in the elementary school, we have alternative ways to support students as they progress um, through the uh, public school system. So that's pretty much where I am. So uh, in 2023, I am the superintendent of the Caldwell, West Caldwell Public Schools going into my third year. I have two master's degrees and I have a doctorate. Um, so, and I'm still paying for some of that. So <laughs> here, that's, 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 that's who I am. Chris, let me, let me reiterate some of the things that you just said. What, what you were saying was that as you go through the process of making a more inclusive school, you're building up teacher, both general and special ed instructional capacity to support all students in gen ed environments or as many students in gen ed environments as possible. So yes, you have to do that, Fred. You, you, you cannot provide the support services that are necessary to address such a diverse population unless both teachers have the, the skills and training to, to do that. Um, you also mentioned that um, you keep getting suggestions or advice that you keep taking, but uh, may look back on a little suspect at some point. Um, first off, I, I've been an admirer of yours for quite some time and you make it look easy. Um, you really do. You, you manage to flow through these challenges and systemic change efforts uh, very, very smoothly and very easily. So I, 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 for one, would say that you listened to the right advice through the years. Um, is there any advice you're getting now uh, that you're thinking about following? I'm, I'm curious what the next step is. Um, or in, in your parlance, the next mistake. So I think right now the, the, the advice that I, um, that I, I'm always getting is to um, not add more to my plate. And I, I wish I would listen to that more often. You know, one of the things uh, we said, nothing new in 22. So that was the goal for last school year. And of course, as much as I say, oh, that's true. I'm right, absolutely. Well, what if we just add this component to it? How about we bring in this thing? We really should talk about this more. Um, and then the next thing you know, you have this new initiative that you're starting because you saw a need. Um, that, that's the one thing I would love to listen to myself more often and say, you know what, maybe we shouldn't do that. Let's give it, let's take a breather. Um, so that, that's the one, the advice I, I take. And sometimes I listen and most times, most times I don't. And then I find myself with a, another new initiative. Um, and th there's a lot that goes into that, as you were saying, Fred, you, these things don't happen overnight. Um, I think I have a fairly well-established process that I've used in several school districts. And it, it kind of like lends itself well in terms of communication, in terms of transition, in terms of messaging, 
and then in terms of actual uh, boots on the ground, like wh who are we bringing in? What training are they going to provide us? And what's the, you know, in this day and age, especially what's the bang for the buck? What do we get out of the investment that we make? Um, Cause we have a finite dollar amount as much as the community thinks we have the, a money tree hanging in the backyard and we'll just go pick on it, pick at it and, and get all this extra stuff. We, we don't have that. So, you know, one of the things that I always try to focus on is like layering that professional development with components of technology. So we make sure that students have access to the things that they need during the school day and then after school. And that usually means that not only are we providing them with the, uh, the teacher of the professional development, we're giving students one-to-one uh, -one devices to make sure that if we can layer home supports in through um, computer programs, through uh, even simple things like teacher uh, websites or Google Classrooms, we make sure that we provide that as well. So, and yes, it's, it's I, I, the 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 analogy that we always give. It's um, it's if you ever seen a duck floating on the water, you only see them floating there, and you think they're really calm, but their legs are going a mile a minute. That's typically what. I do and most of my administrators that I surround myself with do as well. You know, I expect them to look like everything's fine. There's no concerns. Everything's working great, but their legs are just churning away to make sure that they stay afloat. So. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you ended with that because um, that is, that is one of the questions that we have as well. Um, I've known uh, you for a number of years and, and, uh, what I find striking is the administrators who have worked with you in the past and are now leading uh, as directors of special ed in different districts, um, truly a remarkable group that um, really, really understand special education in New Jersey at a really granular level. So I'm curious what you do to attract uh, uh, folks like that, um, how you how you manage to uh, find amazing people, and what is it that you do with these people that uh, adds to their knowledge base, adds to their capabilities? Because when we look at like Celeste Bonoro, we look at Erin Madeira, just incredible administrators who um, really just knock it out of the, knock everything they touch out of the park. Um, so what's, what's the trick? What's the magic? What's the, what it, what it, what it, what it, what's the magic sauce? Uh, luck, I think is that, no. Um, yeah, I would say luck is one of the things, one of the, one of the, the process really starts um, when you're interviewing for these positions. So, um, I, I typically focus on uh, people who have experience um, from the child study team. This is a very challenging position. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, one of the major components of what happens in special education, what decisions are made in special education, often comes out of IEP team meetings. Um, so I really want a basic knowledge base from there. So, um, it's important that um, even if they weren't on the child study team, they at least have their master's degree that 
maybe has all that training as well. But for the most part, I, I typically target people who have been on the child study team. That means that they understand the management side of special education as well as the instructional side. Um, so that's a unique thing that I typically look for. Um, I usually look for, and I, this may sound a little odd, people who have the same um, personality, the same desire to support students that, that I have. So when I'm interviewing them, I'll ask specific targeted questions in terms of what do you do in this situation? What would you do in this situation? How would you solve this kind of situation to see if we have the same mindset? Because um, it's really hard to retrain someone that has <laughs> other philosophies that aren't kind of aligned with yours. So um, when I'm hiring people, even um, I'm thinking back to Edison, uh, Dawn Netzel, uh, Nancy Sika, um, those are people who um, really have a really strong grasp of what happens in special education and the process. Erin Madeira talked about Celeste, like all of them are, are real, have, have really similar mindsets that I have um, and they understand the process and they understand how to provide the professional development to staff to move um, an initiative forward. So that that's kind of how I, I pick and choose. And then once they're working with me, we have a lot of opportunities for uh, discussions. Uh, I give them a, a, you know, a, a wide berth in terms of, hey, I have this idea. How do I get it from A to Z? And then we could like flesh that out and talk that through. So I give them the freedom to make those decisions. Um, a lot of the things we did, especially in a big school district like Edison, was creating frameworks. So I let them lead that process um, to make sure they have the skills. One of the things that's important for me is I want to provide the, the training and the supervision to the people under me that they could do my job. The idea being that at some point I'm not going to be there, whether I retire, whether I hit the lottery or whatever I decide to do with my the next phase of, of my journey here, I wanna make sure that I leave someone behind that can fill my shoes. So we I make sure I hire and groom people that have the similar thought process that I have. So that's really what it is for me in terms of uh, leadership. Picking the right oh. people that have the same philosophy as I have and then giving them the, the skills and the freedom to kind of grow into uh, their own leader. Well, you know, being 35, you've still got quite a lot of time in this career. Yes, I know, That's 35. It. I have a couple of years left in me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's that's really great. I appreciate what you said to, you know, to prepare them to, um, you know, step in uh, for, for you and, and to have the same uh, ideas that you have and the same thought uh, process and, and beliefs that you have. I think that's really, uh, really important for, you know, uh, creating the next, uh, the next level and next generation of, of leaders to come after. That's uh, really great. You mentioned about the uh, the resource center uh, pullout model and how you are uh, not really a fan of that uh, for special ed delivery. Can you uh, explain a little bit why uh, why that is and what do you prefer to go in its place? 
This concludes part one of my conversation with Chris Conklin. Join me again in two weeks when we continue our conversation to find out why Chris is not a fan of the pullout resource room model for special education delivery and much more. In the meantime, catch up on all previous episodes of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at NJCIE. Until next time.